Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Poisoner's Cabinet. I'm Sinead. And I'm Nick. And this is your weekly podcast looking at the lives of the great poisoners and poisoning cases from across the centuries and creating curious cocktails but inspired by the tales that we tell. And it's episode nine. Number nine. How very exciting. <gasps> so close to ten. So close to ten. Then we can stop. We finished. Then that's it. There's nothing after that's this. It. No more. I'm, I'm out of contract. Maybe we should do on episode ten. Maybe we should do a special on something. I'm thinking we should I maybe... think we probably should do something. I'm thinking some sort of party poppers and a, and a fancy hat. <laughs> the, uh, the arsenic hat. The arsenic hat. I'm going to make it this You'll time. You'll have an arsenic hat. I'll have an arsenic bra. It'll be marvellous. Oh, yay for video cams. <laughs> <laughs> no one will see the bra, but you'll know it's there. Yeah, we're going to try and do something special for episode 10. Thank you so much for sticking with us. So we'll let you know what that is in the coming weeks. How are you, Nick? Yes, bumbling along. Bumbling along. Bumbling along on lockdown. Crazy lockdown down. Crazy, crazy lockdown times. Uh, any poisonings this week? Not as of yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's early days. But soon. But so, well, no, I'm, I'm hoping not. I mean, I only live with one other person, so I'm hoping no poisonings at all. Well, there used really. to be three people there, but we don't talk about them. <laughs> so, we have got a great story to share today. We have some great drinks to mix up for you. So, Nick, are you ready to drink cocktails and talk about poison? Always. Or drink poison and talk about cocktails? No. No, not today. You have escaped one more week. Oh, thank God. So... This week, before we get onto our story, we as ever have our secret ingredient that we revealed on social media earlier this week. Uh, the secret ingredient is taken from the tales that we're going to tell and it's going to inspire the drinks that we make and enjoy while we're chatting to you today. We encourage you to mix up a drink as well while you're listening, even if it's 10 in the morning. Just just do it. It's a lockdown. <laughs> Who cares? It. No one can see you. Exactly. Just do it. Make those video conference calls interesting. <laughs> just stag around drunk for our amusement. Send us pictures. Do it. So the secret ingredient this week that I chose for Nick is a feather. Yes, a feather. Interesting choice. I'm sorry. <laughs> so this was an interesting one because the story is will uh, become obvious soon. I actually had two secret ingredients. You did, and I failed miserably on the first one. We both thought the first one wouldn't be possible. We're both in isolation. Nick's amazing cocktail cabinet is in his house, <laughs> and I can't get to it. But he has every kind of ingredient you can think of, except for this other ingredient, which we'll reveal yes. shortly. We we did look and we tried, and we thought, nah, it's not going to work. It's interesting. Yeah, interesting ones out there, but just not with what I have in the house. So instead, I went for another ingredient. That's key to the story, and it was a feather. And a I know feather. it's crazy, it's not necessarily an ingredient, but I thought it might inspire something. <laughs> See, I got a lot of flack. For last time I did cocktail inspiration. <laughs> oh, there was an uproar. But you do it, and it's fine. <laughs> that was early days, and I knew so little then. <laughs> but now I've changed my ways. I can learn. I can learn. I'm reformed. I'm a reformed bitch. So with my uh, curveball of a feather, what'd you come up with, Nick? Well, we had a we did have a couple of options, but I've gone with a cocktail called a black feather. A black feather, you see, that's perfect. Yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, when I was looking, investigating, I thought, ooh, perfect. I remain unconvinced by the list of ingredients, but <laughs> it's it's a new one on me. I had not heard of it before, so we'll find out. Well, we have a secret second ingredient. This is all hinges on the fact of whether or not I can actually make the cocktail it's based on. If not, then. God knows what's going to happen after our cocktail break. But we are both going to go into our isolation kitchens, shake up a storm, 
and we will be back with you very shortly with our delicious drinks. See you in a bit. See you in a bit. And we're back. Hello. So, Nick, what have you mixed up for us? You've got a black feather. I've got a black feather. And what is in a black I'm going to try it first. Okay, you're going to try it first. <laughs> I'm going I'm to try it first because I'm slightly terrified. Okay, go for it. Yeah, that's actually really not very nice. <laughs> We're yeah, actually filming nah. and I can see Nick yeah. on the camera and he does no, not no. look pleased at all. No, 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 oh, no, that's horrible. <laughs> oh, no. So what is in a black feather, Craig? Well, in a black feather, we have cognac, mm. triple sec, mm. vermouth, mm. an extra dry vermouth and a dash of bitters. It doesn't sound great. Yeah, see, I'm not a fan of brandy as it is. Near. What may not have helped is this has been brandy that's been sat in the back of my cupboard since God knows when. <laughs> but it's aged, surely. At least min- minimum four or five years since this has been last looked at. So. <laughs> yes, because you only ever want fresh brandy. Yes. <laughs> Pressed straight from the... What the fuck does brandy come from, actually? I'm going in for a second. Second sipper. Okay, is it second sipper? No, it's really not. Oh my oh. god. Oh, is this the first disaster we've had? This is the f- first cocktail. I cannot even finish that. <gasps> Hell has indeed frozen over. My god. Like the beacons. <laughs> well, so Nick made the black feather. But Don't we did... ever do it. Don't do it. But we have a backup in my house because there were two ingredients. We went with feather in the end because the original secret ingredient was going to be mushrooms. Equally tricky for a cocktail. There are some interesting ones out there, but it's just you need either dried mushrooms or truffle, of which neither of which I have. Of all of the things, of all the things in Nick's cupboard, truffle and mushrooms were the one thing he did not possess. <laughs> yeah. But I went out fully intending to make the black feather, but then stumbled across a recipe called the truffle sour that required several things that I did have in the house and truffle oil. Truffle oil, very chic at the moment, very chic. Everyone puts it on their chips. So I have made a truffle sour which requires vodka, Amaro, Mont- uh, and the, the, okay, a weird look at what's Amaro. called. Amaro Montenegro, which is a sort of a liqueur, Italian liqueur with herbs and spices. It's sort yeah. of a weird thing. Bitter, bitter vermouth, red vermouth, herbal type concoction. Lemon juice, a little bit of sugar, dash of truffle oil, ice and egg whites. Now we like an egg white cocktail. So I thought I'd give it a go. I did not have the special Montenegro liqueur. What I did have in the drawer is Unicum. <laughs> yes, people, there really is a liqueur out there called Unicum. It is from Hungary. It is the sort of thing that you buy on a stag do or on a trip and then your mates force you to down shots of it and then you, you get very sick and have a terrible hangover. But it's sort of like a cross between a Jägermeister. Thing is, it is. And... It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a digestif. It's a herbal bitter liqueur, like, exactly, much like Jägermeister, um, but from Hungary rather than Germany. Exactly. So I had some of this in the cupboard. I thought, you know what, we'll, we'll knock it up. We'll give it a go. It's here. It's settled. It looks beautiful. Going in for a sip, people. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Against all odds... That is not bad. Can you taste the truffle? That is not bad. Yes, I can taste the truffle. It's a tiny, it's like literally five mils of truffle oil. Because truffle has got such a pungent Mm. taste. I've mixed this up and you have to do the double mix and you have to strain it and everything. But the egg whites give it that lovely mouthfeel that we've talked about. I'm going for a second sip. It's an odd one. (laughs) Probably wouldn't stay in my repertoire. It's not an everyday cocktail. It's not an everyday cocktail, but the truffle oil... And again, the Unicom, which you would never choose to drink normally on its own. Um, but the tiny, tiny quantities in with the lemon juice and the sugar and the egg white and the vodka, which always works. Perfectly acceptable. Perfectly acceptable. So, a truffle. Truffle cocktail. Thingy. What the fuck is it called? A truffle, truffle sour. sour. Truffle a truffle sour. sour. A win. new one. So, mushrooms win this one. Uh, feathers don't. Feathers, certainly not. <laughs> and, oh, sorry, everybody. But anyway, we have our individual cocktails in hand. Nick will be slipping away from the microphone soon to get a bottle of wine, I think. I, I, I knocked up a spare cocktail <laughs> while I was making that. I made up an emergency backup, which I'm now What's quite happy cocktail? with. Red Hook. A Red Hook? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, you know what? We don't have time for a third one. We'll bring don't. it to another episode. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So Nick's got his emergency cocktail. I have my quite lovely cocktail, and so we are ready, ready for a story. Are you ready for a story, Nick? Oh, what a story. Tell me a Let's story. Let's tell you a story. We're going to, today, we're going back. We go way back. Way, 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 way back. Well, Pre-Victorian. Keep going. What was there before then? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Nothing. There was nothing but dust. <laughs> no, we're back, back before the Victorians, back before the Elizabethan era, back before the Middle Ages. Guys, we are going back. To a time where the foundations of Western civilization were garbed in marble, the progressive, trend-setting, blood-soaked, filth-strewn, aqueduct-arching Roman Empire. Da, da, da. How, how long did it take you to write that? <laughs> Most of the day. <laughs> it sounded very impressive. Exactly. All the other research was shit after this. It was just, <laughs> just a... downhill from now on. <laughs> downhill. It's just words like that. People died. There we are. We are going to talk today, tell you the tale of the world's first ever reported serial killer and the woman who paid her bills. It is the story of the deadly Lady Locusta and the Empress Agrippina the Younger. Two women bound in their bloody deeds. <laughs> so Locusta, a woman lately condemned as a dealer in the clandestine practices, but reserved amongst the instruments of state to serve the purposes of dark ambition. Very dramatic. Yeah. This is a good story, this one. How's your Roman history knowledge, Nick? She was, um... Don't tell me that. Don't say that now. I'm building up to that. <laughs> Bloody hell. No, actually, I, know, I know a bit about this one. I didn't say, what do you know about Locusta? I said, what's your knowledge of Roman history like? I'm trying it's, to take it's... people on a journey. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> As you know, we always do as much research as possible for the show. This is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant part of history to jump into. Most of us will have studied classics at school. You'll have dabbled a little bit in Roman history. You'll have seen a film. You'll have seen a TV show. You will have indeed probably seen Monty Python. I personally drank red wine and watched Life of Brian last night as research. <laughs> but it's a, it's a very meaty chunk of history. And obviously you can build degrees out of this. But trust me, jump down the poison wiki hole to explore some of the stories of this time. And there are some absolute belters. So this was huge fun to research. Sources from this week range from all over. Uh, but a lot of what you're going to hear is based on the works of the historians of the time. Uh, Tacitus, Suetonis. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Suetonis is the uh, historian. If you're basing all your knowledge on I, Claudius, then, then you're in for a shock because that wasn't necessarily <laughs> historically accurate. But yes, we're going to step back into a time that is seeped in murder, intrigue, and the most inventive of torments. Picture the scene. First century Rome. It's lovely. Oh, it's a dime. Can you picture the streets? <laughs> you're, you're getting really into this. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to build a bloody picture. It's, Come it's with working. Me. 
You're just sitting there stubbornly in the 21st century <laughs> with your shitty cocktail going, no, not going. <laughs> just drink more. Come on, come on. We're in the streets of Rome. Oh, it's a wonderful place. Of course, you have the sewers and you have all of the wonderful inventions of the Romans. Public sanitation, irrigation to remove waste from the homes. It's not so much with the street cleaning, though. So you've got to picture a lot of waste on the street and dead bodies and dogs carrying around people's arms. And of course, you have... The Empire trying to uphold the law while everyone is basically trying to kill each other if they even vaguely come to approaching stealing your power. So there's going to be a lot of violence and torture and dastardly deeds in this tale. So Lacusta was the first professional poisoner that we know of. She's known as the first serial killer because, well, she's known as the first person who professionally killed a lot of people. She's said to come from Gaul, born either at the end of the reign of Augustus or the beginning of Tiberius. So we all know that's around 14 AD, don't we? Yeah. Absolutely. Had to, had to look yeah. that up. Definitely know that one. Gaul, lovely place, Gaul. Do you, do you know where Gaul is? France. Uh, it covered France, Belgium, Luxembourg, most of Switzerland, bits of Italy. Germany, Netherlands. So it's everywhere, basically. <laughs> Inhabited by the Celts originally, but then the Romans screwed that up for us. We don't know about Lacusta's family. We don't know how she was raised, what their profession was, what her background was, but we can assume that she was a free woman and that she was intelligent. As a child, reportedly studied the plants and the herbs that grew around her home. She was interested in these and she began to experiment with their uses, learned from the folklore that was passed along to her and the old wives tales and remedies that would have been passed from mother to daughter, from grandmother to child all across this century in whispered and hushed voices. Put this on your face. <laughs> Put this on your face. Is that what they said to each other? Yes. In little wooden huts. That's pretty much it. <laughs> Just throwing, throwing plants at each other's face. <laughs> it was a simpler time. <laughs> What are you going to do to pass the time? So she learnt her trade in Gaul and she would arrive in Rome in her 20s during the reign of Claudius. And there, when she reached the city, her reputation grew among the higher classes. Her reputation as a supreme poisoner, someone who knew the arts and knew the ways of the herbs and medicines very, very well. As I said, this wasn't a lawless time in the Roman Empire. Of course not. No, you could be arrested, you could be imprisoned, you could be tried. But this was certainly a time where higher classes and known women certainly found a lot of enemies they maybe wanted to dispatch and get out of their way, and they needed some assistance. Lacusta obviously had a way with her poisons, and she found herself very much in demand when she was in Rome. She was so popular, she was arrested and imprisoned several times, um, reportedly on counts of poisoning and um, child murder. Fun. Fun. It's pastime. It's something to do. In the Roman times. When you're, when you're not out there poisoning. Oh, it's taken a dark turn, hasn't it? <laughs> it's just the cocktail's gotten to you, hasn't it? Kill children, I hate this. <laughs> I hate this cocktail. Okay. <laughs> but as her clients were all wealthy, she was always released. She, her freedom was brought back and she was able to continue practising her art. It makes you think that the custom, her skills must have been really highly sought after and there weren't many other people out there like her because she kept getting free she was free to continue her art and news of her practices would reach even higher places than the nobleman well she well, she obviously she knew who had hired her so she could probably if it came to it people would want to see her free rather than talk mm. so if someone's hired her to go and kill their rival or whatever and then she gets caught those people are going to try they'll do their utmost to get her free so she doesn't go it was them it was them who hired me it was <laughs> well gossip is a trade obviously at the time and people's testimonies could be used but i think it was it was more that her skill it was it was in demand and it was there were few and far between poisoners of the time as we said this is the first recorded serial killer so we move now to the palace 54 ad it's a delightful place oh, it's a lovely place it's a lovely place it's such a lovely place such a lovely place <laughs> lots of vestal virgins wandering around going i don't know what we do <laughs> Tending fires and things. Isn't that what they did? Well, well sacred fires, yes. They didn't just stoke yes. the fire. I, I just mean that the hearts. Sort of. <laughs> so we're sweeping a lot of ash <laughs> out. Go, oh, it's a, it's a bit chilly. Get those vegetable virgins in. <laughs> Have them turn down the beds and then go away. Exactly. Horrible virgins. <laughs> so the vestal virgins are doing basic housework. While Emperor Claudius lies on his couch. 65 years old he is around now. Coughs another large glass of hot wine is his want. He is an elderly man now by any standards, reaching his 60s in the Roman Empire. Bloody hell. Pretty good that's, that's an achievement. I mean, as an emperor, you would be looked after. But given that the average life expectancy around the time was 25, <laughs> you were lucky if you got past 10. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah 65. That's 
Not, not he's bad. He's done innings. all right. It's time for him to go, surely. <laughs> he's too old now. He's so old. Claudius has always been pretty sickly, but he's had a good reign. You know, it was a bit of a struggle for him to get to the top. He was always seen as weak and trembling in his youth. Intelligent, but not really suitable for higher office. But he remained at the periphery of his uncle Tiberius's council during his reign. And he was even closer to his nephew, the infamous Caligula. We've all heard of Caligula, haven't we? Know him. Mental. And when Caligula was assassinated in 41 AD, Claudius, who was said to have fled and trembled behind a curtain when the assassins came for uh, Caligula, um, was hailed as the new emperor because a lot of people thought, hmm, Claudius, he's a bit sickly, he's a bit simple, we can manipulate him. Uh... But once Caligula was out of the way, Claudius's ailments quickly improved. Oh, was it all a ruse? Some say that it was. Ah, clever man. He was playing a game, he would cough and he would splutter. There were, there were some people who thought he actually had a disability, that he might have had cere- um, cerebral palsy or um, Tourette's. But once he became powerful, once he became emperor, he quickly cleared up and he proved to be a very successful emperor. He was the one who launched the conquest of Britain, uh, which was very successful boo. for him. Boo, boo. Well, actually, we didn't want the Romans to come. <laughs> actually, you know, yeah, six of one, half a dozen. I did, yeah, probably did pretty well, really, out of that one, so... <laughs> We didn't want to stay as it was. Oh, it's mainly it was witches and things running around the place. Well, so. I quite like that, but we weren't very progressive with it. We were bad witches. We were shit witches, quite frankly. <laughs> Other people chasing the witches with sticks and things. It was all not not a fun place to be. They sent a lot of elephants over for the conquest of Britain. I think they were called uh, military elephants. I like a military elephant. Good for you. <laughs> you also had four wives, which is always a plus. <laughs> And he's confident now in his old age that his son, Britannicus, will carry on his rule once he has passed. Do we have to sing that, that rule Britannia now or something? Rule, rule Britannicus. Rule Britannicus. <laughs> Britannicus is a man <laughs> so, who's 13. Now, do you think, does Britain come from him or does he get his name from Britain? I didn't research that, Nick. Darboo. There was a lot I had to look at. <laughs> <laughs> well, the whole plan does not sit very well with Claudius's fourth wife. The beautiful, scheming empress, Agrippina the Younger. She is known as ruthless, violent, beautiful, ambitious, and a very reputable woman in Roman history. She actually had a double canine in her upper right jaw, which was meant to be a sign of good luck. She was also one of the only three women to be given the title of Augusta, which is possibly the highest honour that a woman could have gotten at the time. So, you know, yeah, and at 39 years old, she had waited a long time to get to where she was. I know another thing about Agrippina. Oh, I can't say her name either. Should we call her Aggie? Agrippina. Aggie. Ah, oh, Aggie. 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 Empress I know, Aggie. I know something about Aggie. Oh, go on then. What about well. Aggie? I know. Uh, she, she was the sister of Caligula. She was. She was his, his younger sister. sister. Uh, she was quite in his favour for a time. Uh, also, his lover. Allegedly. Caligula shagged all his sisters and his relatives. Well, he's the one who... Oh, no, I was going to say he shagged a horse. But no, he made a horse senator. He did make... Well, allegedly he made a horse senator. He was was quite, quite mad, Caligula. It looks a lot like Malcolm McDowell. It looks a lot like Malcolm McDowell. Interesting fact, actually, at the film Caligula, which was a massive flop with uh, Malcolm McDowell in it and Peter O'Toole, the producers worried that the film wouldn't do well enough and wasn't sexy enough. And they actually hired porn There's quite stars. A lot of sex in it. That's because they hired porn stars to have sex yeah. in the film after hours. They just brought just in. Just they brought in porn stars to <laughs> shag on sex set, so it would look authentic. And half the cast and the producers didn't know about this. And it is. It's a. Terrible... Yeah, it's an awful film. It's an awful, <laughs> awful film. Maggie Smith as well. A very young Maggie Smith going. What the fuck's going on here? And Helen Mirren, isn't it? Oh, she is as well. Yes, I think John Gilgood's in it as well. Yeah, John Gilgood is, yes. John Gilgood, Peter Otto, everyone's in it. And they all shag. <laughs> and they all go, what the fuck am I in this film? Anyway, moving <laughs> on. Of, I think John Gilgood <laughs> said it was his first porn film he'd ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, yeah, she's Caligula's sister. Um, had favour with Caligula, but then she was later accused of plotting to kill her brother um, with another sister and with a lover of hers. She was exiled. She wasn't executed, obviously. But when Caligula died, when he was assassinated, she was brought back to Rome by her uncle, Claudius, the emperor now. Mm-hmm. She was much loved and revered by the Roman people. They really liked her. They liked her even more so than Claudius's third wife, the empress uh, Messalina. Aggie had married twice. The first union produced a son, Lucius, um, and her husband died, sadly. And her second union, uh, her husband died, and she was left a very wealthy woman. <laughs> Nobody really knows how her husband died. <laughs> 
How what could it be? But yes, all this misfortune that she'd befallen did make the Romans very sympathetic towards her. And as I said, she was revered, she was very well liked, but she was incredibly ambitious. And so when Messalina was executed for treason in 40, uh, 49 AD, Claudius needed to find a new wife, so he decided to marry Aggie, who was his niece, of course. Just a point, uh, incest was actually frowned upon at the time. It, <laughs> didn't like that. Not only... It's not like it's the Romans anything goes. <laughs> Well, it's like uncle, niece. That's that's not incest, really, is it? So it's a bit. It's, oh no, it's it's very much so. Back then, it was probably that's like, like okay, we can cope with this level of. Yeah, apparently, apparently, they weren't happy with it. They really did not approve. Mm. People did not like the fact that they they were moral on some standpoints. Poisoning, fine. Go with it. Fine. Killing everyone, fine. But she doesn't mind marrying her uncle because now she is empress. And she can continue her plan to secure her own son to make sure that he, not Britannicus, who is Claudius's son by a, a previous wife, her son Lucius will succeed to the throne. Lucius, otherwise known as Nero. I knew that. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> Nero. Points Emperor for me. Nero, the man who fiddled while Rome burned. Played a fiddle, not just, you know. Yes, 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 yes. We all got that. Cheap joke. I didn't. <laughs> so as soon as Claudius and um, Aggie were married, she set about and her plan for power. She was wiping out all rivals and enemies to her and her own son's ascension. She charges one of the former love rivals that she had for Claudius's affections of black magic. And she manages to convince the woman to kill herself. She ensures Claudius's daughter, Octavia, can marry Nero, so solidified the union a bit more by accusing one of Octavia's former suitors of incest himself and that drives him to suicide she gets rid of anyone who was loyal to the previous empresses um, anyone who doesn't have her side anyone who speaks against Nero or isn't firmly on her side and she's gently starting to get there she kills Britannicus's tutor starts to cut him off from his father making sure that Nero is very very firmly in his um, adopted father's eyes Claudius does adopt Nero but he's starting to see through Agrippina's motives he's feeling uncomfortable and she notices that he's moving back towards his true son Britannicus and making moves about ensuring that he is going to follow him as emperor so Agrippina calls on Locusta uh... so Locusta's reputation has preceded her and Aggie knows that Locusta is the woman to call upon when you need someone disposing of. Locusta visits Agrippina on a day where the most trusted servants of the household are away. She slips into the building and there she and Agrippina discuss the methods and means for dispatching Claudius. Agrippina asks her for some rare compound that might derange his mind. So naturally, Locusta wants to create a concoction that will include one of her favourite poisons, Belladonna. Nice. Belladonna! Yay. love belladonna belladonna is a brilliant poison for anyone who's into their folklore into their ancient 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 stories like this of poisoning it's a very italian one as well it well it's, it's there's a lot in italian history and things about belladonna i mean it's obviously what belladonna means beautiful lady doesn't it it does that's what they used it to um pupils and things they do it's it still is used in eye drops now because um mm. application of belladonna will make your pupils dilate but i think so probably for more medical it. purposes rather than anti-pretty exactly yes back then <laughs> it was used to make people look beautiful and lovely in lots of medicines and lots of beauty treatments um also known as deadly nightshade uh, less sexy as a name. Belladonna. Yeah. Mm, look at me, I'm a beautiful lady. Uh, deadly nightshade. Oh shit. Well, look, I'm dead. <laughs> uh, it's a plant, uh, extremely toxic berries. That's why you don't eat berries in the woods, kids. And when it consumed, it can produce a dreamlike waking state. Um, things like out of body experiences, lucid dreams, hallucinations. It's used in some medicines, again, as I said today, um, to dry up secretions. So I think it's been used in cold medicines, but it can also cause seizures, um, heart complaints and shortness of breath. And it can also basically kill you. Do you know where you get atropine from? It is. Yes, thought so. It's atropine belladonna. It's its full name. That's a fancy medicine. It's used for the cure. It's used to treat poisoning. Poison to treat the poison? That's yeah, madness. Ah, uh, poison. The greatest poison of them all. <laughs> Do you want to hear another folklore fact about Belladonna? Tell me. Belladonna was uh, used in flying ointment when mixed with opium poppy 
and other plants like hemlock or monkshood. It helped witches fly to their gatherings. Oh, well, yes, I, yeah, I've heard this one as well. By putting it on a broom, if I recall. Pretty much, yes. That would help them fly to their gatherings. Mainly it was made them hallucinate, so they felt they were flying. <laughs> yeah. La, la, I'm flying! <laughs> you're really not. You're not, dear, you're not. <laughs> you're in a very comfy chair. <laughs> <laughs> so, Belladonna, one of Locusta's favourites, was a favourite amongst other Roman, uh, in Roman murdering cases, um, Empress uh, Livia. Apparently she allegedly killed one of her husbands with Belladonna. So, Locusta has her poison plan. As it were. She supplies the poison to Agrippina. She says, dust this on his food. So Agrippina goes away and thinks, hmm, okay, what's his favourite food? Well, it's mushrooms. Mushrooms! There we have some mushrooms. Mushrooms, mushrooms. Not a very exciting food. I mean, I love a mushroom. (laughs) I have to say, I'm I'm with the emperor on that one. Oh, I love a mushroom. (laughs) I mean, I didn't expect you to be so excited about mushrooms. Yeah, not, not not so much the poison ones. Mushroom, I mm, love mushrooms. Yum, yum, yum. So, well, uh, Claudius loves a mushroom himself. Oh, Excellent. he loves it. So a grand banquet is held for him. A mushroom banquet. Mushroom banquet. This mushroom oh, is Everything is mushrooms. <laughs> everything is made of mushrooms. The table is made of mushrooms. The seats are made of mushrooms. His wife is made of mushrooms. <laughs> the delicious mushrooms are served to him. It's thought they've either been infused with the poison or a poison sauce has been poured all nice. over Nice. Poison sauce. Narrowly. I like that. A poison jus. A poison of a reduction. <laughs> A poison A nice glossy reduction. So he's served, he... Oh, lovely. Mushrooms, my favourite. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yeah, yum, yum, yum. Now, the effects of the poison are reportedly not immediately perceptible. Everyone's sitting and waiting. Well, Acropina and whoever she's got in on her crime. That's not everyone. So the entire room is just watching him. <laughs> yes, exactly. Knows all about a room it full of just... people just staring <laughs> just... at him. How are you, mushrooms? <laughs> well, it's got to be several people in the room. There's a banquet. And they would eat, wait for the emperor to eat. I mean, it's like the ones who are rubbing their hands together, laughing. Those are the ones to watch out for. <laughs> the, the effects don't seem to be showing any. Mainly due to the fact that Claudius is wasted. He is completely <laughs> pissed. Claudius nice. is a complete pisshead at this stage. He's drunk all of his life. He is absolutely out of it. He eats the food and, by all accounts, empties his bowels right there. Nice. But no one worries about this because he's a pisshead. Apparently he does it all the time. Sits there. Don't worry. Shat myself. Carry on. Second course. Wouldn't be nice to have servants and slaves. <laughs> <laughs> Just fine. deal with that, would you? <laughs> <laughs> Just deal with it. It's fine. He's also said to have become speechless and complained slightly of stomach pains. I love you. Not as much as mushrooms, but I love you quite a lot. It's mushrooms. I'm a best friend. He's emperor. Surely he has a taster, though. One would. One would think so. He would have a taster. Is he dead in the the background somewhere? He's not lying on the ground and everyone's just gone, he's drunk too. Don't worry, he's (laughs) passed out. He's tasted all the booze that the emperor's emperor's had. He's absolutely plastered. The emperor's had six vats of wine. He's like, please, I have a family. (laughs) I have a liver. I did once. <laughs> no, his taster, the unit, the unit, <laughs> is an absolute unit. Man. Absolute unit, that taster. Well, he might get hench. No. You... Might work mm. out to compensate the fact he has no balls. He's sad. <laughs> and he's eating the whole day. Maybe in the gym shower afterwards <laughs> and going, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> no balls. Surely he'd just be singing in a choir somewhere. Very it's high. not the time of the Il Castrati, no. That came later. <sighs> That came at least 20 years after. At least Fine. 20 years, yeah. Anyway, Halitus, the taster. Halitus, interesting person, actually. Outlives everyone in this story. There's not a huge amount written about him and his ways, but he's in so many stories and he seems to outlast people and he's always there. Lives a bloody life of Riley, this eunuch who's been tasting for all these people who end up dead. <laughs> you would have thought probably thinking, yeah, I can shit at your job, mate. They're bloody dead. <laughs> So get rid of him, put him in a farm somewhere. <laughs> I think it was more the idea that he was in on everything that happened. He was one of the top conspirators and he knew of things. And so he would be able to surreptitiously taste or maybe administer the poison himself. So, but the poison is served. The emperor is there in his own filth and the poison doesn't seem to be working, at least not to Acropina's liking. Now, the Roman, the Roman noble people are very impatient. If it doesn't work instantly, they go mad. The custard's <laughs> probably somewhere at a window going, give it a second, for God's sake. You know, not a lawless society. If it's too obvious someone's been poisoned, Locusta's going to jail. Anyone in that room is going to be accused. So she's probably trying to go subtlety. Subtlety is the art of the game here. Mm. Acropina cannot wait. So she calls forth her physician, who was in cahoots with her, 
uh, Dr. Gaius, and he says the emperor is clearly unwell. He he needs to vomit. He needs to purge his uh, his stomach of his meal. Um, help him. And the doctor produces this very handy tool to help you throw up. He pulls out a black feather. Uh, was it actually black? Yes. <laughs> You've made that up. Yes. Yet again, when I try and add any layer of mystery or lyricism to this story, Nick will surely be there leaning over going, it wasn't, was it? No. Where was it written down that it was black? It was red and it had I hate Nick written on it. <laughs> but he pulls out a feather to tickle the emperor's throat. That'll do the trick. This was a marvellous method they used. No, 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 please, to induce vomiting, I shall stick this feather down your throat. The feather is, of course, soaked in poison. That's clever. Absolutely bloody drenched in it. <laughs> well, just get it out of a bag, out of out of a bottle with cyanide with big skull and crossbones on a bottle. The feather just out. looks like it's charred <laughs> and smoking. It's it's just... like, I don't want it. No, it's fine, honestly. This will help the tickling. They shove this down the emperor's throat. They manage to do it. Come on, be sick. Go on. He, well, he isn't sick. He dies of a short while later. That's really clever. It's good, isn't it? But that's, it's that's not a, that subtle, a... though, is it? But it's a, it's a very clever way of getting the poison in. No one is going to suspect a feather that the doctor uses. <laughs> I never thought those words would be Is said. it the mushroom? Is it the wine? <laughs> is it all the other food? All that sort of stuff? No, it was the feather. No one ever, no one suspects, ever suspects the, the feather. feather. Nah, clever. I, I mean, if this was a common thing well, I think it, it was yes, done I think it was. at the time, like use a feather to induce vomiting. Yeah, I think it would have been sort of relatively common practice at the time. But Claudius is dead. He has died. Ha So the plan continues. Now, Nero is ready to become emperor. Ooh. And like his mother, he is power mad. We all know the stories about Nero. Nero goes on to be an incredibly vicious, power-crazy emperor. Funny story, he went to Greece later on in 66 AD to perform in the ancient Olympics um, and took part in every contest and won it. Oh, what a surprise. He won them all. <laughs> what, a sure. surprise. what a surprise. That was. Look at me, discus. <laughs> I'm the best at discus. Look at me, javelin. I'm the best at javelin. So Nero won the entire Olympics in 66 AD. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Nero, what a dick. <laughs> but someone still stands in Nero's way, even though his part of emperorship seems to be clear. Britannicus, his older half-brother, is still alive. Claudius' son. Nero's very jealous of his brother. He just hates the fact that he's liked. His brother has a beautiful voice. Uh, apparently he tries to seduce him in order to humiliate him. Very schoolboy stuff mm-hmm. here. Also, in ancient Rome, like, who cares? It's like, look, he's gay, so... (laughs) Yes, indeed. But Nero himself cannot wait to get Britannicus out of the way, and he too comes to know of Lacusta, the woman under sentence, he's told, for poisoning. Lacusta by name, with a vast reputation for crime. Lacusta, at this stage, is back in jail. Whether she was convicted of the murder of Claudius or she was arrested on suspicion of it, whether she's just still been killing liberally around the streets of Rome, <laughs> la la la, throwing belladonna everywhere, she's in jail. I like to imagine the Custer is kind of an old wizened kind of man of the West there going, so you've come to me, have you, Nero? They all come to look Custer in the end. Uh, she probably didn't sound like that. <laughs> Maybe, with an Italian accent. She's from Gaul, so it'd be French, wouldn't it? Or Celtic. Actually, she'd be kind of a weird Germanic, Scottish-Irish sort of thing coming <laughs> Nero was just the whole time like, what are you saying? What are you talking about? It's like that Eddie sketch with my, my voice box. It's just gone, stop demonstration. Hello, we're the Romans. We're the Romans. Romans, we're coming to get you now. <laughs> See, that's closer to La Costa. Uh, I'm the Roman La Costa. She sounds Mexican, actually. That's going to say, it's got a bit strangely... We don't yeah. know. We don't know what they sounded like. Italian, Gaulish, via Mexico City. Marvellous. So uh, Nero comes to La Costa promises her her freedom and a pardon if she will do one thing what what is the one thing poison his rival britannicus is britannicus now he's not the emperor now no right so is nero now the emperor no he's not there is a sort of a lull at this point before he's officially made emperor before his coronation so she has to concoct a poison that will kill his rival. She does provide a poison, but it was slow to work. Again, Lacusta probably trying to go for the subtlety. The poison was given, it was slipped to Britannicus' tutors. We don't know if they didn't do it right, if they messed it up, or whether it was too subtle, or Britannicus had eliminated the poison by immediately taking it and throwing up. It doesn't take. Nero returns to the jail and beats 
Locuster with his own hands, threatening her with execution, saying, you prepared a medicine instead of a poison. But he gives her another chance. Give me a quicker acting poison. She says, fine, I've got one I've used before. But by this stage, she's probably not going away with, with the subtlety thing. It's like, fine, here's, this, here's a wheelbarrow full of fucking belladonna. There we go. It's an axe. An axe, that'll do it. <laughs> the most poison things of them all. An axe. <laughs> <laughs> so she gives him a sack of berries. And Nero goes away, ever the, you know, ever the perfectionist, tests it on a goat. <laughs> The goat dies five hours later. Not good enough! I was to say, that's probably not fast enough either. No, not fast enough either. She gives him more poison. He tests it on a pig. Piggy falls down dead instantly. Whose farm is this? <laughs> well, you're not going to argue with the crazy emperor, are you? Hey, Nero, come to get some bacon and some lovely goat's milk. All right, you know where it is. Go around the back. You're all right, aren't you? Okay. What the fuck have you done? That's my livelihood. But he has his fast-acting poison, having left a wake of dead animals behind him. Nero and Agrippina invite Britannicus to a family dinner. Uh, 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 uh. Why would you go? <laughs> These are not friendly people. Mother-in-law and my brother-in-law, who's tried to have sex with me several times. Well, maybe tonight's the night. So he goes to this family dinner and they serve a drink that is common at the time. Hot wine. Wine and hot water. Delicious. Now, it was to everyone's taste about how you took your wine. Some people loved it boiling hot. Some people liked it kind of lukewarm. Some it needed a bit chilled. And Britannicus, who's only 13 at the time, as I said, ripe old age in Roman Empire, <laughs> he wants a little cold water. <laughs> My wine is too hot. His taster obliges. He pours in cold water and his taster, who has tested the wine beforehand, does not test after some cold water has been poured into the glass. And that is where the poison was. In the cold water. Clever. Clever Locusta. So she's, she's got some good ideas going She's on very there. good and wish Nero would stop hitting her when she's trying to show off her art. <laughs> and Britannicus gulps it down. Apparently the poison cold water circulated so rapidly in his veins that it deprived him of speech. Britannicus starts to suffer from the effects of it. He starts to shake. He starts to convulse. But Britannicus suffered from epilepsy. It was a well-known secret, it was an open secret within the family. And when Nero sees the seizures that his half-brother is affected with, he tells the guests, his brother is just having a fit, don't send for any help, he's got epilepsy or whatever they would call it at the time, he's fine. So everyone just carries on with dinner while Britannicus is fitting. And he is taken from the room and Britannicus dies. The poison reportedly coloured his skin. It's, it said it either coloured it blue or red. Quite different colours. There was no definitive answer about whether it was blue or red, because I think people have said it coloured his skin. One writer would say blue, one would say red. We don't know. But either way, it coloured his skin so much that Nero and Agrippina made sure that his face was covered in chalk so no one would know the crime, because it would be an open casket. His body would be taken out. But apparently when he was being buried, rain came down and washed the chalk away. Uh... But it had worked. Locusta had succeeded, and she was indeed lavished with a pardon a large country estates by Nero, handsomely rewarded, a beautiful home which also doubled up as a school. Nero sent her pupils to learn her trade over the years. So she killed herself, probably scores of people, but her students would go on to kill thousands. Well, you've got to think, like people like when we did the episode a couple of weeks ago on Tifana. Absolutely. That knowledge and those skills come from somewhere. They're descended down the line, passed down word of mouth. And that's how Locusta would have trained as well. Mm. I mean, Locusta, again, was relying on word of mouth. She would have been learning her trade by hand. This is passed on. She has pupils. These people worked through the Roman Empire. They would have all passed on the trade. It's quite cute to think that Locusta may have been an early ancestor and her methods were passed along down and ended (laughs) up. Julia Tafana. It's it's possible. They're in Europe. They're together. Yeah. But at the end of the tale, what happened to the three main players in the story? So Agrippina herself suddenly becomes very fearful when she sees what she has created in Nero. When she sees what he has done to Britannicus and how he's starting to treat his wives, the people around him. Agrippina said here was a precedent for matricide. She knows that she's no longer safe from Nero. Nero would later kill his mother. Now, some say he just had her executed. 
others, I urge you to look this up. The series of elaborate ruses that Nero tried to set up allegedly to kill his mother is staggering. <laughs> he constructed a self-collapsing boat. When she was on it, the ceiling collapsed. She and all of her attendants jumped overboard and there were people apparently lined up trying to hit them with oars and beat their head in. She still managed to escape that. He tried to poison her three times, apparently. She took antidotes. He set up a machine in her bedroom uh, to collapse the ceiling tiles on her head while she slept. Eventually, just hired an assassin to kill her and stabbed her. Yeah, some sort of pointy stick would have done the trick. I feel he was just Nero was just mental. Clearly, <laughs> um, she was said to haunt him afterwards. His mother haunted Good. him, and her last words were "Smite my womb." Nero himself would later flee to Rome in AD sixty-eight. Lacusta herself provided a poison in a golden box for Nero to take in the event that he was ever captured or if he wanted to commit suicide. He didn't end up taking the poison. He either stabbed himself or had a servant run him through with a sword. And there ended Nero's reign. But Nero's death left Lacusta, a professional poisoner, exposed. And his successor, um, Goba, who was only around for about a year, wanted to wipe Nero's legacy from the face of the earth. He wanted to... Fair destroy any freedman or servant who was associated with Nero. He said the other scums that had come to surface in Nero's day, he would get rid of. And that included Lacusta, and he was going to make an example out of her. So we have to talk about how she died. So she was led through the streets in chains and executed. Um, so she was, she was executed. It's not pleasant, and it's also bizarre. So unfortunately, it was ordered that, that she would be raped. By a trained giraffe. Yeah. I have questions. See, how would you train a giraffe <laughs> to do anything? They've just spent years building up. Okay, it's gotten to making tea. Now, to make the leap. <laughs> why Why a giraffe? Why a giraffe? It's, there were so many other animals. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's a horrible way to go as well. Like, just some bestiality. Imagine hearing that and you're like, oh, God, what's it going to be? Is an elephant or a tiger? Oh, I will be ripped. What? <laughs> what giraffe? <laughs> How's that even possible? Some sort of platform. Its legs bend in opposite <laughs> directions. What's it going to be? <laughs> this poor giraffe does not know what it's doing. What? Well, no, probably not. <laughs> So allegedly, she was she was sentenced to be raped by a trained giraffe. It's a horrible, horrible way to go. We should not be and laughing not at making that. Light, but... I'm not making light of the torments, but the giraffe. But come on, it is a peculiar punishment. It's it's a bit it's weird. A... She was uh, then allegedly torn apart by wild animals. I think the actual <laughs> truth was she was probably just executed. She was either hanged or stabbed or burned, uh, which is a much nicer way to go. And there it is. That's it's the galloping a... hooves of the giraffe. My God, that's that's an end to a story. <laughs> we leave the tale of Locusta, the first serial killer in history. To be history. raped by a giraffe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pleasant image to end No, off. really, really not. Giraffes, the greatest poisons of them all. <laughs> I mean, yeah. who goes to that Coliseum show? It's like, what is it today? Oh, is anyone being eaten by Christians? No. Oh, it's a giraffe. Go, what the hell is he doing? Did you just say, is anyone being eaten by Christians? <laughs> yeah, it was a big show at the time. <laughs> Why do you think they had to get the lions to come and get the Christians? The Christians were eating everyone. <laughs> just nibbled to death by Christians. <laughs> get the giraffe in, they're going too far. <laughs> Oh, how would you do? That? How would you train a giraffe? Perhaps it was lots of men in a giraffe costume. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps they were just like the crazy emperor has gone. Right, I need to chain, train a rapey giraffe, <laughs> and the, the, the sort of like the animal handlers were like, "Fucking hell!" Well, that's just that's just not going to work. So we hollow out a giraffe. Or the one guy who's sewing a giraffe outfit, going, "Oh God, oh God!" Exactly. <laughs> So it's like, right, everyone, get in the giraffe. And like the first, three t first time he comes out, they're like, whoa, whoa, uh. <laughs> Steve, Steve, hold the stilts up, come on. <laughs> I mean, this emperor was only around for a year, and I think we know why. <laughs> so there we go. So there was the sad end of Lacusta, who'd had a very good career otherwise. Yeah. She's a mysterious figure, isn't she? She's, you, we just don't know... There's not, she was written about and her story became very much folklore, even by the historians who were all right at the time. They had enough facts that they could talk about her. But she even in that, in those writings was something of a mystery. Yeah. She was almost like a plot device, yeah. you know. It's probably one of those people who may well have been like a composite of lots of people. It's interesting that we have these 
really famous uh, professional poisoners, and they're all women. Oh yes, but is it the sort of thing that women are in? Are they inherently more trustworthy? I suppose if it's especially with dealing with foods and things like that, is a woman more likely to be like in the kitchen or probably at the time a maid or something like that who would be serving these things, so would have more access to to poison food or. Later on, certainly that would be the case. But back in the Roman Empire, you had boys and mm. you had men serving. You had people of all sexes. I suppose the women, because they were owned by their husbands, they could own their own property, but they didn't have as many rights as others. So their trade would be study medicines, mm. learn this kind of thing. So they were more likely probably to have the education and the practice and the pastime to pick to pick Belladonna, to understand what it could do, to experiment, to test things. It does make you think like... You know, obviously, Lacusta killed a lot of people and was arrested a lot. But how much experimenting did she do? And where did she come from? Maybe that's why we don't know where she came from, because she killed everyone. Maybe she killed her whole family. She killed people in the past just testing out these poisons, because she'd have to work out how they work. It's one of those things, as we said before, it was just being passed down, probably. Um, all this knowledge yeah. about local plants. I mean, probably at the time, it wasn't just, OK, these are the ones that are going to kill you, but these are the ones that are going to help as well. These are cures for things. Yeah. So it's that sort of plant knowledge and things. But she's just obviously chosen to focus on the more negative and spiky plants. Indeed. But there we go. Roman Empire, fascinating part of history. So many poisons and murders Ooh, and crazy schemes going on at that time. It's just brilliant. If you have enjoyed our latest tale of deadly poisonings and our cocktails as well, please do jump on iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a review on Facebook. Come and say hello. Um, we love to hear from you. And if you have any shout-outs that you want to do during this time of isolation in lockdown, obviously it's a crazy, crazy time out there. Um, yeah, we were just thinking, you know, this is, if you listen to the podcast, we love you and appreciate you so much for showing us your support during this time. What can we do to support you? So, you know what, if you've got messages for people you love, or if you've got a business you're running, or if you've got something small or wonderful that you want to celebrate and do something positive about, or give a shout-out to a key worker, or just a family member you can't see right now leave us a message on instagram or just drop us a message on instagram drop us something on facebook um tell us something and we will try to mention them in our next few episodes and give some love to everyone out there who deserves a bit of love right Certainly. now yeah and as ever tell your friends about the poisonous cabinet <laughs> great time to share podcasts go follow podcasts download us Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And if you want more live videos of us drinking, obviously just tell <laughs> us to do that because, you know, why not, indeed? Yes, indeed. Many random videos of us drinking coming soon. So, as ever, we have been the people inside the Poisoner's Cabinet. We will see you next week. And remember, your loved ones are trying to kill you. Bye!